Hello, Barry Wimbolt here again. Welcome to my podcast with ideas to help you get a better handle on life. In this episode, I'm talking to career coach and business mentor, Mohamed Kazaji, with an inspiring story of self-discovery. How he discovered his true worth, left a well-paid job, and made the leap to his current role, helping others to transform their lives. Good morning, Mohammed. Um, I'm very pleased to be talking to you. I've been reading your background and your material on LinkedIn in particular with interest, and I came across the power in owning your value. And you told me something which really struck me as very interesting, which is that, that you're a life coach pretending to be a career coach. Was that your description? Uh, that's correct, Barry. Uh, that's correct. I often, I often say that the career coaching title is one that starts a conversation, but it's definitely not the topic in which the conversations or the engagements with my clients end. <laughs> and uh, and career coaching is often the first step and the, and the vehicle for which clients work with me to start making a change in their life. But that often translates uh, into other areas like life and relationships and money uh, and personal worth and, and value, as you've talked about as well, which is which is very fascinating. Yes, that's interesting. And it reminds me of... Uh earlier in my career when I was doing more corporate work and people would say to me, well, yes, we want we want to train the troops in uh, stress management, but we only want to deal with the work-related stress. We don't want to get the messy stuff of their, their lives mixed up in this. And of course, I had to tell them it wasn't possible. And uh, it's often the way, isn't it? We get led down a path that is far deeper than we mean to go as professionals, uh, but we have to be very comfortable with that. Completely, Barry, completely. I mean, we were having a very fascinating conversation prior to this podcast being recorded um, about transitions and how in periods of uncertainty, perhaps we can revert to old ways. And and where that whole life piece really comes into the fruition with, with my clients is prior to us just getting stuck in about what to do next and the practicalities of how to make that work, we often start by looking at the past and things that have gone well and perhaps things that haven't gone well and it's incredible the patterns and commonalities that clients see throughout the course of their careers uh, as to how the decisions they've made perhaps often consistently have impacted their career choices. And on further introspection, they realize, this, they realize that those, those choices don't just affect what they do with their career, but how, how it affects their life, their relationships, um, their engagements with their loved ones, how their relationship with money is, with friends. And, and that's where the whole life piece comes into play, really, because quite often how we show up in one area of our life is very, very similar to how we show up in other areas of our life, too. That's fascinating. And it reminds me of something I was talking about recently, which was about the narrative of our lives. And if we don't step back and review our lives periodically, uh, we don't have the whole story. So in conversation with somebody like you or my clients with me, of course, they they begin to put the story together in a coherent way that they can make sense of and and ultimately use. Completely, completely. I mean, the, the career is often the first vehicle um, that we use to start making a life transformation. But once clients see the impact that it has on their wider life, and they can see that the patterns of behavior that they apply to their career can be used to positively impact everything else, that's that's when the whole life piece comes into play. Great. I've often met professionals um, and particularly 
coaches who do sort of leadership career workplace stuff who've said similar things about they weren't comfortable with getting into people's lives because they were not counsellors or therapists or something like that. And I've always said that you can't separate the two. But apparently that hasn't been a problem for you. Completely not. And the big distinction I discovered with coaching as a whole is, is coaching in its purest form is completely non-directional, i.e. it is not my responsibility to tell the client exactly what to do. It's only to create the space for the conversations to happen, to brainstorm, to act as a Socratic mirror when required, maybe play devil's advocate and push some buttons, but ultimately Absolutely. all in favor of allowing the client to come to their own outcome. Now, the beauty of that approach is I don't have to be an expert in the client's life. Um, I don't have to be an expert um, in any particular field to be able to help the client because I am not advising the client on what to do by simply asking the right questions the client can come to their own conclusions. And not only is that beneficial in not really interfering with someone's life, but more importantly, there's a massive, massive sense of empowerment from the client because if the, if the idea comes from someone else, if they make that decision, despite how motivated they may be, there may be a small part of them which thinks, hmm, this wasn't my decision, this was someone else's. So if it goes wrong, it's not really on me. No. Whereas if the ball is entirely in the client's court, they have 100% ownership, 100% responsibility, which means that whether things go well or things don't go well, there's a massive learning process for them. Uh, and, and that creates empowerment and, and in the long run definitely has a lot of benefits. Yeah, yeah. So coming back to what I originally mentioned, which is the power of owning your value, you made a journey to get where you are today. And that item which I read, which is on your LinkedIn profile, by the way, so people can find that if they want it. Um, I found it inspirational. And you must have gone through that process yourself of self-realization and joining up the dots to make some sense of yourself in some way. Is that correct? 100% correct. 100%. It's It's been a wonderful journey. I think culturally, my upbringing has played a massive part in all of this. So coming from a very conservative um, Indian culture, particularly Gujarati culture, there's a massive emphasis on being subservient um, to your elders, um, to your teachers, mm -hmm. um, to people older than you, uh, anyone in positions of authority. And naturally, without any teaching or guidance, you you kind of grown up to believe that the, those people that I've just mentioned have more value than you. Uh, their opinions are correct and your opinions are incorrect. Are you even allowed to express a conflicting opinion in their presence uh, is another question. So I'd say, and, and it's not necessarily any question of blame, but I'd say that had a massive influence in the way I think. And I've always, as a result of that, and maybe parts of my personality as well, I've always been someone who's quite humble, who's quite reserved, who's quite shy. But that has limitations in, in what you can achieve, um, for sure. Because if you don't see your own value, if you don't see your own worth, other people will struggle to see that too. And that places limitations on what you can achieve, whether it's a new job, whether it's um, in business, whether in life, in life as a whole. And the process of shedding those layers, owning my value, um, having strong realizations of what I'm capable of and what I can achieve, and being able to shed away some of those, cult those cultural um, conditioning of mine has definitely helped me to see my own value and, and accelerated the growth not only initially in my career but then later on in business too mm -hmm. right so you that explains where you started in a way and your background 
as you see it being relevant to who you are today. And that brought with it undoubtedly some great qualities like humility, which you suggested. But when that tips over into feeling disempowered, or actually perhaps also not having rehearsed the skills that you will need later in life, for example, um, offering feedback and criticism, if, if it's not going to be listened to, what's the point of doing it? Did you face a hurdle like that later on when you got into business? Completely, completely, because uh, the nature of my work initially started as kind of CV writing. That's that's how my whole coaching journey started, by just giving advice, guidance, and actually doing done-for-you services in, in the realm of CVs. Mm -hmm. And initially, it was very much people who were the same age as me or younger than me. And there was a limitation on my own personal self-worth, my value, that I was only capable of helping those individuals. And I never really took any proactive steps to engage with any potential clients who are older than me or more experienced than me, who are managers, directors, etc. Right. Yeah. And it was only through literally a process of referral where clients that I were working with insisted on bringing their friends and their network and their family uh, to work with me that I started to work with people who are older than me initially and then more experienced in their career, greater pay, greater seniority. Where although I was quite reluctant at first, I came to realize that, wow, I actually have the potential and capability to help them, even if they are older than me, even if they have earned more money than me, even even though they're more experienced than me. And, and that was one of the first layers that really shed in owning and understanding my value. Great. And then I guess in those situations, because you'd stepped outside your kind of parental culture, that actually the interactions took place differently because there wasn't the expectation on the part of the people who were consulting you. They were coming to you as clients potentially. So there wasn't, they weren't hidebound either. Did that help you? Definitely, definitely. Coming from a place where maybe there wasn't that authority um, and senior, junior dynamic going on, it was, they were purely coming from a place of, I need your help and I would really value your opinion. Mm. So you started to make the transition by through experience, really, because circumstance led you in that way. What led you to start thinking of yourself in terms of your own value? Initially, it wasn't any sort of realization for myself, but just the sheer volume of people that were coming to me. Um, I never really recognized my value for a long time. I mean, I, I remember a point where I was working with a coach myself and at the time, I was in parallel working as a career coach slash CV writer and holding down a corporate job um, in medical sales as well. And there was a point where I was questioning whether I could do this full time, whether there was even an opportunity to turn this into a full time business rather than a part time business or a side hustle. And it was mainly because that message that was going on in my mind was I'm not really good enough. I'm not really capable of doing this not only capable of the value, but I'm not capable of being a business owner because in my mind, being a business owner was something that I held in high regard to, to someone on a pedestal. Yeah, when I yeah. thought of a business owner, I thought of people driving around in a Rolls Royce or a Bentley or earning multi-millions of pounds or living in a mansion. And I was as far removed from that at the time <laughs> as you could possibly be. Whereas my coach helped me to see myself at that time. I think I had about 100 testimonials in both video, written form. Wow. And, and just being able to see that you might not be able to see your value in yourself, but the evidence speaks otherwise. There's so many other people who've um, written really kind words of appreciation. There's so many people who haven't written recommendations, but have referred their friends and their family to you for your work. Do you really think there's no possibility that 
you could take this value and turn it into the center of your life rather than something that occurs in conjunction with other things? And it's that mm-hmm. powerful questioning and that powerful realization that helped me to see. So it was the coaching that helped you to kind of turn that corner in a way. You had all the evidence, you had the experience, you had affirmations from those around you or affirming uh, decisions they'd made and, and testimonials they'd written. But still, there was some part of you that needed a bit of a nudge and a bit of support in doing that, which is perfectly natural, I think, and to have uh, the, the the view of somebody sitting in front of you at times can really help. There must also have been something in you as an individual that was saying, okay, there's there's all of this teaching that I've had through my life, but there's another part of me that dares to challenge that. I don't dare to act on it yet, but I can at least have the thought. Would you say that's fair to say? 100%. I think what was incredible about that moment I just described was as soon as um, I came to that realization, ah, this is valuable. It almost felt like an instantaneous shift in the way I was being right. in the world, in the way I was showing up. And, and how that changed was just the confidence alone meant that I remember it very well. My, my conversion rates almost doubled. Um, my fees, wow. my fees increased substantially. Initially, it went up by a few uh, by a few percentiles and then it eventually tripled in fees and then stepping into that space of wow okay i am capable i have value people are willing to pay me very well for this and then the next stage in that journey was being able to surround myself with a peer group that was on an equivalent journey to me because you know knowing your value and stuff you're always going to be limited by the by the people you talk to if if you have aspirations to be an entrepreneur or to start a business but everyone that you surround yourself works in a 9 to 5 job you're always going to be limited and your value is always going to feel diminished in comparison and there's nothing wrong with working um in a corporate job but if that's not your big priority then then your environment will reflect that and so when i had that confidence to acknowledge i am already a business owner <laughs> i already have the capability to do wonderful things in the world of business in the world of careers then i started to join networking groups and surround myself uh, with a peer group and again that ownership of being an entrepreneur being a career coach being someone who has value to provide to the world really came to the forefront and i'd say that's that's when the decision in my mind came from mm, this isn't something that maybe i could eventually leave my job and do this is something i can definitely <laughs> leave my job and do and that's when the wheels really started to get into motion about transitioning out of a corporate career into full-time entrepreneurship and that decision you make as you explain it there it sounds like an aha moment was it really that instantaneous or did it kind of emerge gradually there was definitely a gradual process um, in my mind from mm, side hustle part-time role to mm, the capability to do the job well to building up the clients the income the revenue speaking to entrepreneurs I would say it was a an 18 month process end to end from thinking I can't do this to thinking I can do this to fully having the confidence and ownership of yes this is definitely something that can be achieved. It was definitely a gradual process for sure. Mm. Well, we spoke earlier about transition before in our other conversations before we started this uh, discussion. And I think that's a lovely illustration, really, that there was a there was an 18 month kind of coming to terms with what you obviously knew, and began to believe it and could stand beside it and own it. And uh, as you put it, know your own value. Would you say that's fair? Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. And it's quite funny how life has a way of testing you. 
uh, as uh-huh. these things happen as well. Because obviously along that way came handing in my notice for my really well-paid corporate job um, and shedding away all the kind of benefits and perks that come with that, like the private healthcare plan and the company car and the lunch allowance and uh, the ex- a very, very generous pension at the time. And as I was handing in my notice, and I remember this very, very well, it was, it was shortly um, as I was about to leave um, the role, you know, life has a way of testing that. And, and a recruiter popped up to me asking me about whether I'd be interested in opportunity for another medical sales job, which would have paid double. And I mean, oh. double what I was currently earning. And life has a way of testing you then. How much do you really think you're worth? Are you worth this money? Or do you truly believe you're capable of creating even greater amounts of wealth than that uh, and having a better quality of life too? I took the decision to decline the job. Um, I didn't even entertain a formal interview. After a brief conversation with a recruiter, I said no. And, and that was the real test of earning my value. I'm worth more than £100,000 plus a year, for example. I'm I'm worth more than being in a corporate job. I'm worth more than the BMW 3 Series I was I was driving yeah. at the time. There's more yeah. that, to life that often, there's more to life that I can offer. And there's more to life that I can create um, that, that I know, even though it doesn't look tangible in my mind yet. I know, I know it's there and I can achieve it. That's wonderful. A lovely illustration. And it's, it, it, it illustrates two things to me. One, well, many things, but one is there's always a pullback to what we knew, what we know, what we're safe with, even as we're making the leap, you know, as we're jumping away. I've always said to people, you know, you have to jump and know the safety net is there because it is there somewhere when you've made the decision. But people sometimes fear the worst and they cling onto the ledge and then they go back to the, uh, to the safety of the known. So, and you, you broke free of that and you had the confidence to do that and the presence of mind to recognize what was going on. But the other thing is that you, you, you mentioned money and the, the material benefits, but there was obviously something almost spiritual. And I don't mean this in the religious sense, but in the sense of inner development and being who you are that led you away from that. Because if it was just money and the material benefits, then it would be an open and shut case, wouldn't it? But there must have been another element that you needed to satisfy. You're 100% right there, Barry. And I think fundamentally, if, if, we're, if we're talking on a spiritual or uh, in a, the inner self, the conversation I was having with myself was, I'm capable of doing a lot more than I'm doing now. With a family background where no one had pursued entrepreneurship, that seemed to be the limit of what could achieve prior to any of these experiences. The limit was going into a corporate role, doing very well in that corporate role, and that is the upper limit. Entrepreneurship is too risky. Um, We're not worthy or capable of of doing that. That's something that's reserved for special people who have some uh, genes or characteristics that we don't have. (laughs) Uh But then having more conversations with those individuals even though I felt them inspired and I was like, wow, those are incredible. And a lot of the conversations I was having were with entrepreneurs who were like seven, eight, nine figure businesses sometimes as well. It still came back to not that's something I can never achieve. Wow. If I apply myself, who's to say I can't do this too. And fundamentally the biggest reason why I stepped away, it wasn't about the money or the time. It wasn't even about the fact that I was doing something I was truly passionate about. The level beyond that was if I don't do this, I'll never really know or feel like I'm achieving my full potential. And that's what drove me fundamentally above everything else. Mm. That is a a really uh, vital part of the process, I suppose. And what I'm 
sort of wheedling away at here is to understand, not necessarily in you, but in, in general, it's something that crops up a lot, is what is it in a, that enables us the belief somewhere, despite the odds being against that belief being instilled? You know, I was a failure at school. I was told every which way that I wouldn't make it in any sense of the word. And yet, uh, and and my parents never told me I was great. I was loved. I lived in a great family. But I always knew those people, those naysayers were wrong. Some part of me always knew they were wrong. And it took me a long time to write my first book. But when I did, I knew I was a writer way before that. And when I put, uh, well, fingers to keyboard, I didn't use a pen ever. Um, I, I kind of had no doubts. I owned the the role of author i was very comfortable with that and always have been but what i have found is that people around us when you step outside the fold so to speak are very willing to raise eyebrows and look askance at you and even if they don't say they doubt they are doubters and they express it in some way did you run into any of that there is a lot of doubt and that this environment thing really comes into play. There's the personal doubts that we have. And then there's the doubts that people who have never been able to break past that own belief in themselves will have. Oh, that's so risky. Oh, you're so lucky to have what you have now. Why would you want to give that away? There's so many risks. Do you really want to be poor? Do you really want to be struggling? There's a lot of people that will, uh, that will push you down. Mm -hmm. I think an unfortunate realization I've had is that for the vast majority of people, <laughs> they they would love for you to be successful, but not more successful than them. <laughs> well, I think that's at risk of sounding a bit cynical. I do think there's a there's a there are plenty of examples of that in life because, in a way, from an existential point of view, if if you and I are say friends and we both do a similar job, and then one of us says, "I'm going off to change the world" or whatever, that threatens my identity and my safety in a way, doesn't it? It makes me think, well then I'm being left behind, or perhaps uh, I'm somehow not as good as you or something like that. So I, I think there's an element, a natural element of resistance in groups to keep us being group members. Um, the joke I used to use with a lot of my clients was when people are trying to stop smoking. And I've worked with a lot of smokers in my time. I was a smoker at one time, but you'll always find other smokers. Oh, go on, just have one. Or when people try and stop drinking alcohol, you know, well, you're not going to have a drink, spoil sport. You know, all of these things come out. They're, they're jokes, they're jibes, they're, but they're all intended by the group to keep us trapped in the system. Do you think that's a, a fair comment or how have you found it? Completely, completely, because we were talking a bit earlier on about, about doubt. Mm. And I think ultimately when someone else in our group, in our network makes a change, especially a big change where they've stepped out their comfort zone, they've leaned more into taking a risk or fulfilling their potential. It shines a light on everyone else. And it asks, it, it forces them to ask the question about, am I really happy? What am I uh, holding back from? What risks or what actions am I not taking? And for most people, the weight of taking that action is so heavy, they won't do anything about it. And for that reason, it weighs heavy and, and, and that certainty and that security and that safety, like you said, means that they'll, they'll want to try and keep everyone else <laughs> on yeah. their level and their plane too. 
Well, you've just said much more succinctly and much more tight. I must prefer your version uh, <laughs> compared with what I said. Um, so I couldn't agree more. I think that's absolutely what happens. And the the, the metaphor I've used often with, with people, I, I've worked a lot with creative people in my time and I, they're trapped. Very often they're trapped in a life they didn't actually choose and they want to make the move, you know, or they have made the move and they things haven't gone quite as planned and blah, blah, blah. And they have a few bumps along the way. And if you are an entrepreneur or a creative, a writer, an artist, a musician, you're going to get rejections. I worked with actors for some time. And, you know, there was one chap I knew, I know, a very good friend of mine now. I said to him, how can you keep going rejection after rejection when you go to auditions? What gets you up the next day? And it was just his basic built-in optimism that the next job is going to be coming his way. Uh, there will be an opportunity. And I, the metaphor I've often used is that there are goats and there are sheep. And I don't mean to put anybody down by calling people sheep. But if you think about what flocks of sheep do, they stick together. They tend to, if you look at them in a the field, they'll all be facing the same way, pretty much. Um, they're all doing pretty much the same thing. And a lone sheep, you very often see a lone sheep unless it's lost. And we even have the term lost sheep in, our, in the English language. And um, if you think about the goat, by, by contrast, the goat is is the natural adventurer. They can eat anything. They'll go anywhere. They'll climb trees. They'll climb rock faces. You know, they do the things that most that sheep will never do. And also they can exist in a herd or they can exist alone, although they are social, social animals. So I have always thought, well, the world needs goats because we need the entrepreneurs. We need the groundbreakers. We need the creators. But nobody ever said it's going to be easy. And it can at times be very lonely owning your own decisions, can't it? I mean, you, you haven't, sometimes you have to make a decision that you don't go home and get a lot of encouragement for, depending on, you know, what home is and where you are. I use home in the metaphorical sense. And so breaking out is something which you lead by example. If you're doing it, you lead by example for other people. But the thing that occurs to me is that you have become a role model. I don't know if it's crossed your mind. It must have at some time. But actually, you're change, you've changed yourself. You're helping other people change their lives. You're doing good because essentially you're helping people change their lives for the better and become material, materially sounder and happier. And, and that, too, is a, a characteristic that is very much needed by humanity at the moment. There is a paid price to action for any decision that we take, really. And by breaking out of the flock of sheep, by, by breaking out of the status quo, by, by doing something that isn't the norm for your friends, for your family, you're right, you are paving the way. And the positives are that you go from looking for role models to being a role model yourself. You create the freedom and autonomy to make your own decisions and, and live life on your terms and do what you want to do. You start to realize and fulfill your own potential. But on the flip side of that, it can be a very lonely and isolating journey as well, because mm. fundamentally the buck stops with you. Yes. There's a lot of benefits uh, to working in a job, including security. A lot of decisions are taken away from you. You're, you're employed to do a very specific role and worry about that only. Whereas entrepreneurship, it's the complete opposite. It's all on you. You're leading the way. 
you're making decisions. You've got very, very tough challenges to face. And especially in the beginning, it's not like there's a lot of people you can turn to without the established networks to really discuss these things. Mm -hmm. And it can be very, very lonely and it can be very, very isolating. Ultimately, these experiences make you stronger. And you, you st and, and again, this is where the only thing you can truly lean on is your own self-worth. <laughs> because when times are tough and when times are challenging, the only thing that will get you through is trusting and owning your value and understanding that you are capable of moving through this and you are capable of using your knowledge, using your experience, um, using your network to be able to find a way out of very, very challenging situations. Mm. Well, I, when I hear you say trusting your own worth, knowing your value, phrases like that, I, I couldn't agree more, of course. But it's what we hear everywhere. You know, it's what we hear. This is not to devalue what you're saying. Of course, it's true. But to somebody who doesn't have that mindset, is there something we can say at the moment that could now that could help people to look at themselves in a new way and open the door to possibilities? I'm not saying that, you know, it might be somebody who's thinking about entrepreneurship or thinking about a change of direction in their life. How can a person ask themselves the question, what is the mindset they require to get to a point where they're able to consider something that you obviously considered earlier in your life, which was, okay, here's convention. This is what I'm expected to do. And this is what I expect to do because it's the way I'm brought up. How is it? How can we get people to help people access that part of the mind that you accessed that said, but what if there was another way? It's a very, very interesting question. And I wish there was a simple, simple answer to that. <laughs> but, but there isn't. But I guess a very easy place to start from that is, if we look back far enough in our life or deep enough, there's things in our life that we completely love doing. Maybe especially when we were children, there's things that we love to do or came very effortlessly to us compared to other people. Maybe things that we were often praised for doing by our peers, our colleagues, our managers, our parents. Maybe things that if we were, for example, told to give a speech tomorrow and we had to speak for 10 minutes about we could do so effortlessly with very little preparation. We all have that inside us. And as time goes on, as life goes on, sometimes those things get weathered away. We don't have the opportunity to express those things as much. The first place to start is to go back and try and find that thing that you always love doing or you always wish you had more time for or maybe somewhere along your life journey got lost because <laughs> other things got in the way. Tap into that natural, organic, delightful place and start to create time to do more of those things, lean into it more. For me, it was always writing and reading. I loved reading and writing from a really young age. I've, I've always been engrossed in books and I've always loved writing. I remember very, very well when I was in high school, in my early years of high school, um, the sixth formers who were going off to university, they were asking me to help them write their university applications. And I didn't think anything of it. I'd just do it. Uh, no fuss. Right. Right. Even later on down the line, I remember well before I thought of myself as a business owner, I just remember one Sunday, someone sent me their CV and I was just helping them tailor it and tinker it for, for a job that they were applying for. That that was my that was my muse, that was my thing, that was that was just me, naturally, organically me. And I just mm -hmm. tapped more and more into it. So the first place to start is maybe to tap into that organic and authentic place and see if you can find that. 
Sorry, I think that I want to stop that there because that was such a powerful answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a really powerful answer and really insightful. And I just hope that that is, message can be taken away with people because that is precisely the sort of thing I was wondering about. And I've not thought about that. Uh, but as I'm listening to you, I'm applying that in my own case and thinking, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, that is exactly right. It's just that, unfortunately, in my case, well, not unfortunately, because things have worked out okay, but, you know, it took me a long, long time till I was 40 to realize that actually, maybe I can do this. And it's exactly what you say, go back to early beginnings to what I did well, and to my earliest ambition, the the sort of ambition that got knocked out of me by everybody else along the way that people, everybody except my parents, I have to say. So I can really echo that. And I think that's a great way to wind this episode up, if that's okay with you. As so often happens in a conversation, you know, it can go on a lot, lot longer, and there's a lot more. But I feel I've learnt a huge amount today. So I'm very grateful to you for sharing this time with me and for with the listeners. And um, perhaps, hopefully, we'll find time for more conversations in the future. So, oh, I would love that, Barry. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been it's been a, a really good exchange, and I couldn't um, contain my thoughts. Really, I could have gone in many, many different directions. Well, thanks again to my guest, Mohammed Kazaji. Find out more about him at mkcareersolutions.com or on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on LinkedIn and also on my blog at www.barrywinbolt.com. For now, that's all from me. Thanks again and over and out. Goodbye.